The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. Welcome to The Shepherded Work, a weekly program to help you learn how to live your Christian faith in every place you work and live. Host Mark Goldstein introduces you to individuals who are successfully and effectively engaging in marketplace ministry and gives you the tools you need to do the same. The Shepherded Work is sponsored by the U.S. Christian Chamber of Commerce, building kingdom, business, and community. Now, here's your host, Mark Goldstein. And welcome again to The Shepherd at Work. Mark Goldstein, not in the studio, again in my home office uh, doing the show. And Mike Gillen is in the studio with our guest for the second week, uh, Mr. Kevin W. McCarthy, not the former Speaker of the House, but the professor of On Purpose. Kevin, thanks for being on the show again this week. Good to be with you again, Mark. Thank you for having me. One thing we didn't talk about last week is I asked you uh, if you would do Ronnie's eulogy because she really wanted you to do it. And you said yes. And uh, you're part of our tough shift right now. Well, that's an honor. I didn't realize that Ronnie actually wanted me to do it. (laughs) Well, the thing is, I don't know that there's anybody in Central Florida that knows Ronnie uh, as well as you. And uh, it just makes a lot of sense. And Thank you. We're humbled the fact that you you've agreed to do this. Well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, guys are in the middle of a tough shift, and that's been our topic last week and again this week as we sort of look at you know tough shifts are these transitions that we face that are sometimes thrust upon us and sometimes we desire them. There's positive and negative tough shifts. Death is one of those tough shifts that we face, as are cancer diagnoses or job losses or financial setbacks. There's so many different negative tough shifts that we face. Mike, you shared the loss of a child. Yeah, that was a big one for us. Yeah. And so the idea here is that whenever you're facing a tough shift event, uh, there's a tough shift process that you can go through. And those are the seven questions that we're really looking at and how to use that process to work through the challenges of a tough shift event. So last week, in in the show last week, we were able to get through the first four of those seven tough shift questions. Uh, So let's briefly recap the, the four and then jump into the last three. So is life meaningful was the first question. Yeah, the idea of is life meaningful is first laying the groundwork for um, a big picture worldview that if life is meaningful, then you are meaningful. Then the events that are going on, which may seem meaningless, still have meaning attached to them. And where if life is meaningless, then there is no cause and effect. Therefore, you cannot have any influence on the outcome of things. Where here you can choose your mindset, you can choose your attitude. Those people that have read like Dr. Frankel, Dr. Victor Frankel's book, Man's Search for Meaning, a man who survived a concentration camp, uh, who became a psychiatrist and uh, frankly, a world famous one who is basically saying that meaning helps people get through the suffering that uh, there's instead of despair, you can have hope. And so basically that first question is about having the hope. The second question of who am I is really then moving into this sense of identity. And the fact is there's so many different things vying for for our identity 
most of which are false idols. And so until the, the issue is not, do you have an identity? Yes, you have an identity, but what is the source of your identity? And as I was saying last week, the source of your identity is God, only God, and everything else is idolatry. So if you think that your last name or your ethnicity or your um, uh, race or your gender or even your sexual orientation is your identity, you actually are building your house on sand. Uh, those are identifiers, not identity. Then, and then, why do I exist? Yeah. Yeah, that always reminds me of Bill Cosby. Why is there air? <laughs> <laughs> I love I, I, <laughs> to blow up volleyballs, right? Um, <laughs> right, exactly. So the "why do I exist?" question goes to the heart of purpose, and of course, I'm I'm all about purpose, and have been for over thirty years. And the idea of why I exist takes these larger concepts and then breaks them down into individual specific understanding of why one exists. And when you have that understanding in a very specific way, and the way that I do purpose statements is I put them into two words. So there's a generic beginning for a Christian, I ex to the glory of God, I exist to serve by, and then there's a two word purpose that follows that, like liberating greatness or igniting joy. Most people think of their purpose as what they do, not who they are. And so again, what we're trying to do is be closely identified with the great I am. Uh, he wasn't, he didn't describe himself as the I am doing. <laughs> he said, I am. Yeah. It's existence. And, and that's now, the part that's hard to grasp sometimes. You mentioned last week, there's a website that folks can go to, to, to actually learn what their two word purpose statement is. It is. It's onpurpose.me, and that is a website, and, and there for a, a fee, there is a price attached to it of $20. They can run through the tournament process. It helps them identify their two-word purpose, and then they also get uh, an email course that comes along with it as well as they can access anytime. Uh, we do it once a month, a thing called Refine Your Purpose, where they can ask questions and come on and get live coaching from me. That's super. That, that alone's worth the price of admission. Yeah, there you are. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so you finished last week with talking about where am I going? Mm -hmm. And so where am I going is, a, is really a question that I think a lot of people need clarity around. There's a, we all know at some level from a Christian worldview, we're headed towards heaven. That's sort of, again, the big picture piece. But in the meantime, we've got to live, right? I mean, it's kind of like, where am I going? Where's my life going? I feel like I can't see the future and I don't know where I'm headed. Or, I, you know, you find this a lot with college students or even high school students trying to figure mm -hmm. out where they want to go to college or whether they want to go to vocational school or whether they want to go to the Army, Navy or Marines or like you, the Air Force. Mm -hmm. and, and so we have these decisions about where am I going? But once we sort of get clarity around that, things begin to line up. And so this idea of uh, why, why am I here and how do I, where am I going, begins to connect the first of two of four dots. Uh, so the next dot is really this question of, you know, the, the fifth question is what should I do, which is really uh, one of the things. Go ahead, Mark. Well, the question I had is you put quotes around should. So it sounds like there's a, there's a qualifier there or a, Something has to get defined a bit. Yes, because the reason I put quotes around should is that a lot of people are asking this question of what should I do as though there's some 
Um, the, the, the better question is really what can I do? The difference between what should I do is if I'm asking you or I'm asking Mike here in the studio, what should I do? I'm giving agency to you. I'm losing up control. I'm giving up control of my life, if you will. And so a lot of people are willing to give over to the government, give over to a parent, give over to a friend, give over to whomever it may be. Now, if you have an illness and you go to your doctor and say, what should I do to get healthy? They, they're a professional. They're there to help you. Mm -hmm. But the other side of the coin is if you say, what can I do? They can say, you can do this, you can do that. You're now, they're giving you options. But if you say, what should I do? Now you're saying, tell me what to do. Uh, where they might actually tell you exactly what they think you should do. But the idea of what can I do gives you the locus of control back to yourself. And this is at the at some level the core of what can I do creates these missions or these opportunities for what you are doing, or what your options are. And so this is really where you want to take um, your purpose of why am I here, your vision of where am I going, to the mission aspect of what can I do. In other words, to make that vision come about. Is that a growing process and the reason I asked that is that if you would have asked me uh, a year ago Mark what can you do where it comes to being uh, a caregiver my list would have been a whole lot shorter than it is now because I've learned what I could and should do but it's been an experiential process yeah, absolutely. I mean, what you'll find is your purpose is permanent. Your vision is something that is changing, can be changing, but your missions change more rapidly. Uh, now, some people, because they do the same thing over and over and over again, let's say on their job, you know, for instance, we'll, use, we'll pick on Mike. He's doing radio shows all, you know, all throughout the day. He could say, well, that's my mission in life. Therefore, he thinks it's his purpose, but it's not. You know, he has a purpose in life, and this is an expression of it on his radio sh on his radio shows that he does. Um, or much like you, Mark, you're doing a radio show, but you're also working in different capacities. These are expressions of your purpose. And so what you're really moving you towards a vision of your life. So what you will find is your missions are going to change. Um, mm. And they can change rapidly based on a tough shift event. Now, can somebody who is trying to be, let's say, on purpose, uh, choose things to do that really take them off purpose? They can, but um, we'll cover that next. Exactly. Okay. I think we're up against a break right now that uh, this would be a good time to take it, right? So let's. Uh, that's a good little toss you gave me right there kevin that's awesome <laughs> kevin mccarthy's in the studio my name is mike gillen privileged to produce the show from mark who is on location in his home office mark goldstein and the shepherd at work will be right back if you're a Christian business person and you want to meet people who want to do business with you, you need to join the Central Florida Christian Chamber of Commerce. Why? Because the mission of the Christian Chamber is to build kingdom, business, and community. And it all starts with the Christian principle of building relationships. To learn more about the Christian Chamber and all the different ways you can get engaged with hundreds of other Central Florida Christian business people, visit cfchristianchamber.com or call 407-258-3578. 
1998. Ladies, do you want the men in your lives to be better husbands, fathers, and providers? Men, do you want all that and more? Christ-led communities has the answer. With men's Bible studies and group experiences, Christ-led communities has a curriculum that meets most every man's spiritual needs. Visit clchq.org to learn about your opportunities to grow in Christ in a Christ-led community. The website again is clchq.org or 407-484-3899. Once again, here's Mark Goldstein. And we're back with Kevin McCarthy in our studio today, the professor of On Purpose. And we're talking about Tough Shift. And with Tough Shift, there's seven questions, seven Tough Shift questions we ask. And uh, we're actually up to number six now. Um, what's important, Kevin? Yeah, well, I think what's what's going on is when you look at the previous questions of is life meaningful? Why am I here? Why do I exist? Where am I going? What what can I do? And then finally, you get to this, you know, you've kind of put a strategy in place and a little bit of a plan is beginning to form. But at some level, this question of what's important really comes down to your values. And if you have not, if you do not know your values, if you have not clarified them, then you're going to drive off the road is probably another way of thinking about it. Mm -hmm. um, and so this idea of articulating your values gives you guardrails that you know you're not going to cross uh, outside of those guardrails or otherwise you're going into a dangerous territory because it's, you know, you can have uh, a purpose, a vision, a mission, and but if you do not have values to govern your behavior and your decisions, then you're apt to make choices that may not actually align with what you're really intending to do. Give us an example of that in, in everyday life that you see. Sure. Well, I mean, you know, a lot of, you know, for instance, a lot of people would say family is a value, okay, that they really value their family. Uh, and that's a great thing. But if you're in the mafia, family can take on a whole different meaning. Uh, sure. So another way to look at it to another value that you often find and is uh, I have a lot of people that want to put down honesty or integrity as their value. Again, those are things that I don't necessarily I mean, we don't can't argue with that, but that's almost assumed that it should be there or that it is there. So the idea that we're looking at here is uh, you might say something as simple as my personal life is greater than my professional life as a value. So if you state it in the terms of a short, brief sentence, it's now called when you're sitting at the office at 6.30 at night, your family is getting ready, has, is getting ready to sit down for dinner, and you've made a statement that says, my personal life is more important than my professional life. Then you start to look at it and say, wow, my family is sitting at home without me at the dinner table what kind of a choice am I making? Now, I'm not saying that these are hard and fast rules. There are exceptions to the rule. I mean, you might have a situation where you call your wife, your husband, and you say, I can't make it home for dinner tonight. Uh, but you've made the family a priority on 99% of the time. But this one time you can't, then most people, I get it. You know, it's that's life. Uh, yeah. but the, the fact is, is you've decided this is a value and, and it's an exception when I violate it rather than whenever, uh, the, rather than every day. Yeah. 
the, the number seven question is how can I make a difference? Which is, I think, something that innately we all ask. How can we? How can we move the needle? How can we yeah, make that difference? Yeah, this is the service question. I mean, ultimately, um, again, from a biblical point of view, we're all called to be disciple makers. But I often say that that's the end of the process, if you will. The seventh question sort of speaks to that, that if you haven't figured out that life is meaningful, I mean, if you're really stuck in the life is meaningless, then it's you're going to have a tough time being a Christian. But um, is life meaningful? Why am I here? Why do I exist? Where am I going? What what can I do? What's important? And then how can I make a difference? It really comes down to this contribution that you're looking at. And what you'll find is these previous six questions have positioned you to where you are going to be in a place where you can do more of what you do best with greater contribution. And it's, I think, you know, the old expression that the enemy of great is good. And a lot of us are doing good mm -hmm. things, but we're not doing that, which is great. So how then does the order of these seven questions, uh, why are they so important to those who are listening today? Well, the first question takes a big worldview, and it, it's it's sort of the, the big picture, if you will, uh, the, the is life meaningful question. The who am I question then comes down to uh, getting a little bit more specific within the big worldview of, of where is my place in the world? Then why do I exist is digging even deeper into the heart of who you are and sort of getting to the soul of your spiritual DNA is another way of thinking about it. Hmm. And uh, you, so you've gone, if you think about it, almost like an hourglass, you've gone from a, at the top of the hourglass where it's very broad. And now you get down to the purpose piece, which is very where the sands would pass through that little piece. Then you get to the part of building it out where you say now, um, kind of reversing that hourglass out. You'd say, you know, now what's my vision? You know, what is the vision that God has given me? Now you're beginning to build this hmm. out. And then you say, what can I do? And that's putting specificity to the vision. And then what's important is keeping those values. Those, those values are keeping you within the, the boundaries. And then finally, how can I make a difference is that is your service. Now, one of the things I think that's really important about this idea of making a difference, and it really used to bother me that people would talk about wanting to make a difference. And I realized that why, why it used to bother me so much is, um, to make a difference mathematically, you start off with something and you take something away from it, and that, that is the difference. But what I came to recognize is that if you want to make a difference, it means you're probably going to be needing to take things away and focus your life on that which is closer to what you, one would, in a, we would call a calling as opposed to just an activity, even if it's a good activity. So that cool. this idea of, of really getting focused in, and, and what's nice is these seven questions. If you can ask these seven questions, you can write down your answers pretty quickly. I'm not asking people to spend, you know, days and months thinking through them. I'm just saying jot them down in 15 yeah. minutes and then come back and really give them some further thought. And you can refine them over and over. And then as you hit a tough shift, you can uh, tough shift event then you can come back and work through the tough shift process of, of asking these seven questions. And I think what you'll find is in the midst of that tough shift event, answering those seven questions, you'll find 
hope. You'll find peace. You'll find strength. You'll find understanding. You'll find that that you're not alone. Uh, that that there is truly uh, a reason for what is happening. And now you are aligned back with God as opposed to sort of drifting away or getting angry at God. So, Kevin, then, uh, let's where the rubber meets the road. How does the tough shift process de-stress our distress? Well, what it does is it really takes us through uh, an option. In other words, instead of just things happening to us and we're like, deer in a headlight, now all of a sudden you can look at it and say, okay, it's just a tough shift event. I need to go back to these seven questions and I can work myself through them. And instead of sort of spinning out out of control and, and getting lost in the chaos and confusion, you're able to come back to center. And center mm-hmm. is the cross. And these questions are designed to bring you back to your faith, bring you back to your relationship with Christ, bring you back to where the truth is and um, how to go through this and and come out the other side, uh, a person of stronger character, a person of stronger belief, um, as opposed to somebody who runs from God or just tosses their faith out the window. You know, I think of that Bible verse, Mark, where it talks about, don't think it's strange when a fiery trial comes upon you. I mean, we yeah. really, as believers, we need to be living with an almost expectation. There's two expectations that I think we should have. Number one, Kevin was talking about hope earlier, and hope, I heard it defined so wonderfully years ago, it's the constant expectation of good. But then mm-hmm. the other expectation that we should have, we should not be so surprised when we we find ourselves in a situation of suffering, because that too was promised that it would be our lot that we're going to experience. So, Kevin, we have uh, a minute or so left, a couple minutes. Um, give the contact information where people can get the two-word, can do the two-word purpose statement again. Sure, they can go to onpurpose.me. And there's where they can go through the process. It only takes a few minutes to go through it. And uh, from that, they can find their two-word purpose. So with the little time we have left, do you have any final words uh, of advice uh, when facing a tough shift event? I do. I think about uh, Jesus at the Last Supper when he said to the disciples, almost the last words he spoke to them before going to the cross, he says, you know, basically, I think it's John sixteen thirty three, and I may not quote it exactly because I don't have it in front of me, but it's basically says, I, uh, you will have trials and tribulations, but I came that you might have peace. Mm. And so the trials and tribulations, the tough shifts are there, but we, Christ came mm. that we might have peace. That is, that, those are, that's a great way to, to end. Mike, I'm going to throw it to you. Because you know how much time we have left, so I'll let you take it. Uh, that's okay, because we are really out of time. So it's great to have Kevin McCarthy in our studio. And uh, always a joy to talk to Kevin and Mark Goldstein, who is in his home office today. Hopefully we'll have him back here in the main studio next week. Thank you, friend, for joining us on The Shepherd at Work. We'll see you next week. 
been listening to The Shepherd at Work. Tune in next week as Mark will introduce you to another marketplace leader who will show you how to live your Christian faith in every place you work and live. The Shepherd at Work, sponsored by the U.S. Christian Chamber of Commerce, building kingdom, business, and community. The preceding was a Mark Radio production.